Day number 163. All right, glad you're with us. Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, interesting news on the on the media mob front. Um, Sarah Palin is squaring off against the New York Times starting today as the defamation trial now moves forward, um, which is a huge victory to even get this before a jury. Um, it's it centers on the case in 2008, and the federal lawsuit is a 2017 New York Times editorial that incorrectly linked Governor Palin to the 2011 mass shooting in Arizona, which six people were killed and more than a a dozen injured. That included Congresswoman Gabby Giffords. Now, Project Veritas, James O'Keefe's group, also has had numerous wins on this front. And what's at issue here goes down to the 1964 Supreme Court landmark decision um, where you actually have to prove malice if you're talking about a public figure and it's going to be interesting to see how this works out now um i don't think it's the best venue for any conservative but james o'keefe uh had a, a very successful court ruling in his fav- favor uh james joins us now now also he's out today with his brand new book american muck uh, raker um he's done phenomenal work which we'll go over in the course of his career uh he's been under fire since day one when i first met him and it's amazing that every time they try to take him to court, he wins. And he's even winning against the New York Times. Anyway, he joins us now. He's the founder, CEO of Project Veritas. Sir, congrats on the book, American um, Mug Rakers. And uh, you can get it on Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. How are you? Thank you, Sean. And thanks for having me on to talk about this book, American Mug Rakers. All right, let's start with this, this one issue. You had a big win in the New York State Supreme Court as it relates to the very pretty similar issue. That's right, Sean. We, we defeated the New York Times. We had a big victory in defamation. Uh, you cited the New York Times versus Sullivan case. The New York Times had defamed me in September of 2020 when they called the videos that we did during the election showing a Minneapolis man ballot harvesting. He had more than three ballots in his possession, which was a state crime. The New York Times called the videos deceptive, we sue them for defamation. We get past this huge hurdle, motion to dismiss, and the judge in New York, Judge Charles Wood of the Su- Supreme Court of the State of New York, said it was the New York Times that engaged in deception and disinformation, Sean. In the court documents, in the court documents, in court, the New York Times admitted in court they got the facts wrong in that article, but now still refusing to correct the article. And then on Christmas Eve, the New York Times uh, was was chastised by the judge. The judge said you have to sequester these legal memos from James O'Keefe that you're publishing after the FBI raided my home. So we live in a world where, you know, the, the press, the FBI, the New York Times are all working together to try to shut down real journalism. But there is some justice once in a while, and we've, we've won that huge victory against the New York Times. You know, it's going to get interesting to watch this case. It'll impact you and, and maybe others like me, uh, because it gets frustrating. The, the, you know, you have to make calculated decisions. There's only so many fights I can be in it on any one given day. And we talk about this all the time and still focus on doing four hours of broadcasting every day, which is my top priority. And 
and and so I usually end up, you know, deciding that it's in my best interest, my audience's best interest, if I'm focused on the news of the day and news they're not going to get from anywhere else. Like when you break news, which is quite often, I mean, you've you've taken on Facebook, you've taken on Google, you've taken on pretty much everybody in the media mob, uh, fake news, CNN, the New York Times, I, the list gets longer and longer. Um, you know, you exposed, for example, um, Amy Rohrbacher. You know, she had all this information for three years on Jeffrey Epstein, and ABC wouldn't let her run with what turned out to be a true story. Um, well, yeah. This is what you do well. We, we, journalism is printing what the powerful people don't want printed. Everything else is just public relations. And we live in a world where, like I said, just Tom Fitton at Judicial Watch just unearthed a few days ago that the New York Times, that not only were the New York Times talking to the FBI, but Pfizer Pharmaceutical is talking to the FBI about us. That's the world that we live in. And it's a dystopian world. People are clearly afraid to live in such a world. And they're usually afraid to do anything about it. You mentioned the New York Times. I mean, who is going to hold them to accountable? They think they're above the law, Sean. They attacked viciously and personally this judge in New York. So, and, and by the way, they're the ones in court who admitted they got the facts wrong and they haven't corrected the article. What is that if not disinformation and deception? So I think increasingly we live in a world where people understand the media is biased, crooked. They lie, sometimes intentionally. Um, the Supreme Court has established that, that that's not protected speech under the First Amendment. But no one can do anything about it. This book, American Rockraker, tells the stories of whistleblowers who have done something about it and the trials they've, they've faced, the suffering they've faced, but the resilience they've had and the courage that is contagious to get other people to come forward. Really amazing stories, and truth is sometimes stranger, stranger than fiction. We've been a part of, and, and you have been willing to share many of the videos that you've uncovered. What's fascinating is how often you come under fire for what you're doing, which is you're a member of the press, you're doing your version of journalism, which is investigative, undercover journalism. You know, there's there's a whole series of shows to catch a predator by Dateline by NBC. If you go back and look at the old 60 Minutes days, they were constantly doing undercover investigative hidden camera reports like you do. Uh, it wasn't criticized then, but it, you do take the heat for this. Why do you think there's such a distinction? Well, I, it, it's it's a lot of reasons. Um, it's gotten much worse in the last decade or two. As again, if you turn on the TV, what what people tend to do is they they speak on behalf of the government. They get these leaks that are given to them. These anonymous sources. They're just doing. They're parroting information from inside these agencies rather than being skeptical of it. A lot of it's also economics. Uh, they take information from sources that are presumed credible. Um, they don't want to go out on a limb. They don't want to challenge what they are told. So we, we have to do that. We have to question people in power. Um, it's not always easy, but we've never lost a lawsuit, Sean. We have not lost one single lawsuit. And it's important to not compromise on your principles. It's important to not surrender, to not give them an inch. We don't. Um, and I think that journalism, has, it can, in fact, succeed but it's going to be up to us, the citizens. It's going to be up to the we, the people. Um, we have to do the job. We cannot depend upon them to do it. You, I think you've done some of your best work on exposing the agenda of and the power of new social media outlets and 24-hour 
news channels, for example, Facebook political censorship and and getting comments undercover when people have no idea they're being recorded. Uh, the same with Google and their documents leaked by whistleblowers showing Google wanted to change their algorithm to influence how people think. And, you know, you had a whole series of tapes that were released about CNN on multiple occasions, if my memory serves me right. And and this is this is a power that they have. And yet they claim that they're they're unbiased, that they're objective, that they're fair and they're anything but. Well, they're, they're not unbiased. I, I often I talk about in this book, American Muckraker, that the challenge in journalism, there's a tension between access and autonomy that journalists sort of have to bite the hand that feeds them. And they don't want to do that because they've gotten too cozy with those in power. I also talk about this idea of deception. People attack me for using undercover techniques and hidden camera techniques. But the reality is if, if your objective is to tell the truth to the audience, the truth is paramount. We've got to broadcast in millions to people the truth. And oftentimes you do have to present yourself as something other than a journalist. Let's talk about privacy in this book. Where are those lines drawn? Is everything we do recorded? Well, as long as the person knows they're being spoken to, and as long as that person is with you during the recording, we believe that that's a constitutional right, just like writing down what they say and relaying and, it. Is. And you, for you to be able to do your work, you have to have an army of attorneys, correct? We have many attorneys, and we, some of them in-house, many of them outside counsel. I've been sued for breach of fiduciary duty, Sean, when I did that story on Bob Kramer. Remember that one? during the 2016 election, and they sued us for it's laughable. It was so laughable. In one of these lawsuits, I was sued for um, defamation for quoting someone accurately. They thought I would fold and settle. It went to a jury verdict, and the federal judge in that case in North Carolina saying to the individuals associated with the Hillary Clinton campaign who had sued me, he said, if you guys sued the late Mike Wallace of 60 Minutes for what you're suing James O'Keefe for, Everyone in this courtroom would laugh. That's a direct quote from a federal judge. I had to go all the way to a jury verdict to win. So I learned in my life that if you're telling the truth and you're doing nothing wrong and you don't keep secrets from people, you're going to be vindicated in this in this life. Of course, federal agents raiding my apartment a couple months ago. I don't know why that happened. It was a violation of my rights, but it's not going to. Did, uh, did you ever get I meant to ask you, did you ever get an explanation on that? I mean, I mean, no, they still have my two phones. I haven't been charged with a crime. Uh, the, the federal judge in New York assigned what's called a special master over the FBI. And um, they, the federal judge... A, spe a special master, for people that don't know, is they will sort through the materials and find out anything that they believe is relevant to what they were looking for. After I appeared on your TV program, the ACLU came to my defense. The Reporters Committee came to my defense. There, there's a, as long as I've known you, how come nobody comes to before. how come nobody comes to my defense ever? I mean, I'm by the way, I'm dealing with the same issues every day. I just don't talk a lot about it because um, they put me in handcuffs, Sean. Because they raided my yeah, federal agents. I haven't had that happen yet, but uh, you know, don't hold my breath. But uh, <laughs> uh, but but they never even told you what did it. What was the warrant specifically for? The warrant listed crimes that. I may know someone else has committed or I may have committed, and it said accessory after the fact and misprison of a felony, which are absurd crimes because if it's accessory after the fact for a source to transmit me a document, which, by the way, I did not publish, even if that document was stolen, so long as I did not participate in the theft of that document, it's not. It's it's, it's constitutional. For that, that would be a constitutionally protected case. Interestingly, it's the New York Times and the Washington Post, it's called the Pentagon Papers. That's exactly the same thing.
it's 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 so codified in American jurisprudence they would have to incarcerate every newsroom at the Washington Post and the New York Times. So what you have is lack of equality before the law. You're living in this Orwellian dystopia where they put people like me in handcuffs because they don't like me. And I think that that's why the ACLU came to my defense, because they don't want to be they don't want to have this done to them when the other guy's in power. Well, guess what? It hasn't deterred us, Sean. I mean, the source came to us inside the Department of Defense, gave us documents about gain of function research last week. So we're emboldened by this. We 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 are about speaking truth to power. And there's a lot of brave people inside these institutions that have to follow their conscience, even if it means making a sacrifice or giving up their pension. We don't have a choice because the only way we're going to get the information is from brave people. That's what I write about in this book, American Muckraker. All right, quick break. More with uh, James O'Keefe, founder, CEO, Project Veritas. His new book is out. It's called American Muckraker, and it's in on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. And the great thing is this is going to take you on a journey of courage and real journalism and somebody who's hated for actually doing journalism. Continue with James O'Keefe. His book is out today. It's called American Muckraker. He's the CEO, founder of Project Veritas. Uh, it's in bookstores everywhere, Amazon.com, Hannity.com. You have kind of built an army of people embedded inside of these big organizations. And by the way, it's happened to Fox, too. Um, and, 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 you, and they bring you information. You present it. It's all legally obtained. And as you point out, there's enough legal precedence um, on on the legality of, of what it is that you're doing. Uh, but it seems like it doesn't matter. The New York Times gets treated one day, one way, and the media mob gets treated one way, and you get treated a different way. But people are waking up. You know, if you turn on the CNN and the, you read those, those lower third subtitles and chirons, you might, you might believe for a minute that, well, they have all this power. But I write about in this book, American Mockraker, this chapter at the end, I say, yeah, they do have tremendous power, and sometimes they feel like we're nothing, but we're not alone. There's a lot of people, I would say the majority of people, kind of can read between the lines. They're just maybe a little too afraid to do something about it. Talk about suffering in this book. People would say, why the heck is James O'Keefe writing about suffering in the first chapter of a journalism book? Because I've been incarcerated, I've been sued, I've been put in handcuffs by my own federal government for telling the truth. We all suffer in this life. The question is... Are you going to follow your conscience? Are you going to tell the truth and speak the truth unspoken and, and pay a price for it? Or are you going to not follow your conscience? And oftentimes the people who don't are the ones who truly suffer. And, I, I, and it's self-evident by the people I've interviewed, by the experiences I've been through. It has not been easy, Sean, but um, it has emboldened people on the inside. The Marine Corps major who authored those Documents inside the Department of Defense told me, on the record, by the way, he told me, he was not the source of the document, he told me there's a lot of good people, James, trying to do the right thing, and there'll be more documents coming out about things like Anthony Fauci's gain-of-function research. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think now between his own emails and your work and um, The Intercept and NIH, his own memos, I think we've got that case pretty much locked down solid. Anyway, the book's phenomenal, and it takes people on a journey. It's a journey of courage. 
that is really needed in this day and age. The book is called American Muckraker, James O'Keefe, Amazon.com, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere. James, appreciate you coming on. We'll see you tonight. Thank you for being with us. See you tonight, Sean. Thank you. Quick break, right back. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. We did a hit on this on TV on Friday. Um, Linda, you like M&Ms, right? If you're, in, if you're stuck in a hotel room and it's late at night and there's a mini bar, odds are pretty high that, you know, on top of the booze that's in the mini bar, there's probably a Snickers, a bag of potato chips, and M&Ms, correct? Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, and and they come in all different assorted colors, right? I I prefer peanut over just plain. But I don't know about you. Oh, you? that's my favorite too. Okay. Ah, see, we have something in common. Anyway, something in common. I didn't know M and M's actually had characters associated. I guess with the varying colors. What is it? Green and yellow and brown and blue, blue and, red. and red. All right, so there we go. I didn't know that they had colors. Now the headline is M M&M and M characters to get. A new look to be more inclusive. So I'm looking at I'm looking at the, well, the the characters and I'm thinking, okay, let me let me just find out what's not inclusive about this. Mars issues a statement that the makeover they're making is a broader push towards inclusivity, and the char- characters have more unique personalities as subtle changes to their look. For example, the green Eminem character dropped her signature boots. For a pair of sneakers. Now, can you please help educate me? I'm an old person. Explain to me, how is that more inclusive? High heels versus sneakers. I'm trying to understand that part. Yeah, I'm a little lost myself. I mean, I I think at some point you can't be offended by everything. You just can't. Like, you just can't go through life being offended constantly. You know, there's a reason why people love... Dave Chappelle and Sebastian Maniscalco and George Carlin and, um, you know, just Richard Pryor. Like, people make fun of everyone because there's something funny about it. There's some truth in that humor. And, and, and now you're saying that somebody can't wear high heels because it, why? I mean, well, I have Adidas just like this green it, M&M, but I also have Well, where is this going to end up? Boots. Does that mean women are going to stop wearing high heels? I mean, is that the the next step in this? But but the whole thing is, again, it just comes down to it's so strange to me. There's this there's this desire for everybody to be their own person. But so long as it fits into the woke agenda. okay. but a lot of and I don't want to speak. I hate broad generalizations. You know that. Exactly. Okay, but there are many women that like to get dressed up and part of would be one of them up. They like to wear high heels. Yeah, I don't know why. I have never understood why you get dressed up for this job. I have no idea because I do everything but dress up for this job. Uh, but that's your choice. You know, if you feel like you do a better job at your job dressed in sweatpants with holes and shoes with holes and T-shirts that the FDNY gave you 14 years ago, then God bless you. Wear them. Well, I'm wearing you, a Tunnel to Towers is. New York City T-shirt today with the uh-huh. fire, uh, New York City Fire Department and New York City Police Department. Um, and it's their 5K run and walk from 2018. That's what I'm wearing. And then I have, hang on, I'll pull off my baseball hat, an FDNY, NYPD, PAPD, Tunnel of Towers Foundation uh, hat with an American flag on the other side. 
That's what which I'm is wearing. awesome. And that's, you know, this is your signature look, you know, and my signature look is four inch heels, three inch heels. You see, everybody's but, but people think I dress up all the time because I have to wear this stupid tie on television every night, which I hate to wear. But that's not the point. The point is, is that you should be able to wear whatever you want to wear. And for whatever reason, Mars didn't have anything better to do than take away, you know, the green. Listen, M&M's I prefer boots. the sneakers over the high heels. So I think the character got a break, in my opinion. Listen, Nothing looks comfortable about high heels to me. Listen, high heels are not comfortable, you know, they're just not, (laughs) but they look amazing. And typically if I'm wearing a dress, unless I'm running to get the subway, I'm wearing high heels, you know, that's a good look. And then if you have your sneakers on, then you have your high heels in your bag, correct? That's exactly right. That's a typical New Yorker, 100%. And that's why we all have bags that look like suitcases because we have everything shoved into them. The the funny thing is, is I don't care what people wear. I just don't care. I don't look, I don't care. I don't critique. It doesn't matter to me. It's none of my business. Whatever you want to wear, wear. Right, but the problem is now is that somebody somewhere who didn't like high heels thought that everybody else shouldn't like high heels, and we're going to take them off of this M&M. Why? Why? It hasn't bothered anybody ever. And I've never looked at a bag of peanut M&Ms or regular (laughs) M&Ms. Now they got pretzel and peanut butter and And everything else. God knows. I don't I even mean, know. Do you know what I'm saying? I just, oh I my ne- gosh. I ne- uh, listen, I know it's part of their ad campaign, the characters. I don't pay attention to the characters. I've known about M&M since I'm a kid, and I know that it, they taste good, and that's all I care about. Um, but also, right. this is getting people to talk about them. They're in the media. They're in the news. We're talking about M&Ms. I personally don't think that they needed the media hype. I liked them just the way they were. If anything, this will make me buy less because it's going to irritate me that they had to get involved. It's like enough already, you know, just leave it alone. Nobody cares. There's a lot more important things to worry about. And when I give my little guy and his buddies some M&Ms at a birthday party when we're having a play date, I'm not explaining to them that the green M&M no longer wears high heels and she's an Adidas shell tops because it's more, you know, definitive of her personality. I'm giving them the M&Ms. I'm telling them to eat them and that's that. Yeah. All right, let's get to our phones. Uh, Let's say hi to Sandy's in beautiful Florida. What's up, Sandy? How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. So do you think high heels or sneakers for the M&M, the green M&M person? I say high heels. I go (laughs) hunting and I wear my boots and my camo, but I also love my heels. (laughs) Okay, man. I'm I'm not arguing with you on this, but you sound pretty adamant about it. (laughs) I say leave her alone. You that's know, what you know what that's what I thought that was exactly my thought. <laughs> I, you know, did anyone complain? Does anyone really believe this this shows inclusive inclusivity? I don't believe it. No. And you know this equity whole ridiculousness is over the top. Nobody likes it. Everybody's tired of it and everybody has a lot more problems than high heels. I, look, I, I'm I'm glad that it's not fashion for men because I never I would never want to put those things on <laughs> up in a million years. And that's why men don't have babies. <laughs> I'm not. Don't even bring me into that arena. I'm not going near that. Uh, anyway, what's on your mind today? Oh, the lies! Oh my gosh! Let me tell you, when you have to have an interpreter. Speak for you as the president of the United States and say that you you are going to explain what he really meant. Why do we have a president? Is well, that I mean, it, uh, I he will tell you, told the truth. 
Nobody can follow it because it's not based on truth. If you tell the truth, it's easy to follow. Then there's facts behind it. There's a basis. There is no basis when there's lies. These lies are compounding. It's not just affecting the media and people's day getting aggravated, but it's actually affecting us financially and our safety throughout the world. We have Americans that are there in Ukraine. What's going to happen to the Americans that don't evacuate? Is it going to be the same thing as Afghanistan because of his lies, because of his food? Listen, my, I'm telling you right now, has to? if you know someone in Ukraine, tell them to get out. Get out. Get out now. By the way, Taiwan, same thing. I tell them to get out. And People and maybe are, probably even Hong Kong is their crackdown is getting worse every day. But that's a different issue for a different day. Um, you just don't yeah, know. But Europe, you, completely. Look, I don't think Joe Biden is running the show. And it's funny because I, I don't think anyone we consider Reince Priebus or former Senator Scott Brown flamethrowers. And I asked them both, do they think that Joe Biden is is making the call at the White House? Neither one believes that. Not. Bill Maher. I think it was, was it Bill Maher this weekend said something to the effect that he should be a ceremonial president only and stay away from the public. I mean, that speaks exactly. volumes about how right we were and, and how ahead of the curve we were. And even, you know, now we've got Chuck Todd and everybody else says, oh, uh, Joe's not looking so good. Our new NBC News poll suggests Mr. Biden does need a reset because he's lost his identity a bit. He's no longer seen as competent and effective. He's no longer seen as a good commander-in-chief, or perhaps most damaging, as easygoing and likable. In fact, just 5% of adults say Mr. Biden has performed better than expected as president. One of the many lowest firsts and fewests in our poll. And as we kick off our Meet the Midterms coverage heading into November, the NBC News political unit developed what we're calling a midterm meter. It's based on previous election cycles. It's basically three poll numbers you need to know best. I'm gonna start with the perhaps the most important number to understand uh, the direction of the midterms. It's job approval here. The president's job approval rating sitting at 43%. If you look at history, history shows that kind of presidential approval rating leads to a shellacking for the party in power. Uh-oh. Uh, 70 some odd percent, a majority of Americans think he's incompetent. Well, he is incompetent. Well, he is. Even... Well, and, and he does tell lies. And he won't, he won't allow anybody to know who visits him at his home. Mm -hmm. And who is it? George Soros? Who, who, who are these people that we're not allowed to know about? Well, they have no problem releasing, you know, information about me that I send privately. So, I mean... You know, I, I guess at this point I'm used to it. I should shouldn't be concerned about privacy, right? Um, I thought just like I believe in freedom and medical privacy and doctor-patient confidentiality, all these things you know tie together. All right, back to our busy phones. Uh, Jake is in Virginia. Jake's a trucker. What's up, Jake? What do you truck? Uh, I do uh, local routes now, but I used to do uh, over the road, currently uh, driving out to work. But uh, when they, this is like the Obama administration all over again. Gas prices, fuel costs are going up. And if, if those mandates would have passed, 
we would have been a lot of a lot of trouble because we got a lot of truck drivers on the road, but we have a truck driving shortage of over eighty thousand truck drivers right now. By the way, if supply so, and demand is is applicable to your business of trucking, even though you're paying yeah. more to fill up your tank with diesel, I would imagine you're charging you're making more money more profit than you were in previous years because demand is so high. Am I wrong? Uh, I'm not making any more. You could be, though. I mean, because there's a shortage, right? Yeah, but we're not treated the best. Um, well, but I have friends of mine in the trucking business. This is what they tell me, two things that tr- truck truckers want. They want the option of either a 1099 or a W-2, and they don't want right. the mandate. That's what they're telling me truckers want, and they want to be left alone and left to do their job. Yeah, we need to be able to do our job. Well, I mean, if it, but if you can't with all the regulations. I mean, this is a problem. If that mandate went into effect, uh, there was a, a, a statistic on Fox last Friday, fifty fully 50% of truck drivers would be ineligible to drive. I mean, that would, uh, for, you think we have a supply chain crisis. Now we're dead. I mean, let's be honest here. The role the truckers play in everyday life is incalculable because every item at every store that we go to is because it was brought there by a truck and it's not an easy life it's not an easy job you've done over the road you're doing more local routes now but it's still hard i'm sure you put in an eight ten hour day every day and you gotta you know log those miles to get paid you probably i would have guessed that if you wanted to go back out over the road you'd probably make more money at this point because because truckers are in demand listen you can't I, my friend said you can't even get any more new trucks they're just not available and whether you lease them or buy them you can't get them so are you and, an independent uh, operator or do you have a uh or do you have a company, a company? Driver. yeah I'm a company driver and it's just i mean the maintenance and upkeep of the i mean these these, these trucks go through a lot i mean yeah you know, when i was over the road i was averaging you know, 500 miles a day. Wow. And some, sometimes the weather or, you know, the load that I had was, was, uh, you know, heavy and I'd have to go drive, driving through the Rockies. That's I had crazy. One time I was going through the Rockies and my top speed and I had it to the floor was 16 miles an hour. Are you kidding me? No. How come? Cause it was I that was, steep and I it was, was that heavy, huh? It was that heavy and it was that steep. And I was driving a full-size, you know, big rig. And, and this wasn't in the middle you know, of winter on ice, was it? No, sure. <laughs> we don't drive on ice. Uh, that, yeah, that would be a good idea to, to park and, and pull over and, and watch a couple of shows and have a McDonald's cheeseburger. That's a good idea. Yeah, all right, my yeah, friend. Well, thank yeah, you for all you do. Uh, we got quick a minute left. Joe and LJ. Joe, how are you? Sean, great show. Sean, I'm so fired up about David Perdue for governor of Georgia. You know, Donald Trump's endorsed him, and I'm so fired up, I wake up in the middle of the night and say, go, David, go. You know, David's got a great business background, great supporter of Trump. He'll be a great governor like Glenn Youngkin of of Virginia. So I am really fired up for David Perdue. And, uh, Sean, I hope you'll come down to Pooh's Barbecue sometime. We'd like to present you a uh, Pooh's Barbecue Pig. It, I, it sounds good, and I might stop at the varsity while I'm there. Uh, Joe, we love you, and LJ, thank you, man. Appreciate the call. 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back. 